All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome to a new episode. What's so funny, Tim? What do you got a mouthful of right now? You stuck it in. <laughs> Pistachios Peanuts. or what? Peanuts? I got it from a guy at work. He gave out a big, big bottle of peanuts and they're good. Anyways, thanks for joining us, everybody. Tim, not so rudely interrupted me. We're really happy you're here. Thank you for uh, coming on this journey with us. A new, a new week in January, Tim. It's beautiful. You know... I try not to have many regrets in life, Tim. I try to live the right way. I try to do the right things usually. And I had a little slip up last night at hockey. A couple no. things I regretted. No, it wasn't good. <laughs> Temper got the best of me. I threw one guy down and took a run on another guy. It wasn't my finest moment, but okay. I felt bad about it. And I apologized to one of the guys. The other guys, I, I did not. I didn't really care for him. He's like, you tried to take my knee out. I said, no, I didn't. If I was going to take your knee out, I would have taken your knee out. And he's just this young hotshot kid. Thought he was the cat's meow. And I'm just like, I'm going to line him up. He's going to cut across the middle. I'm going to line him up. And I just missed him. So, yeah. But the other guy I just threw down. He was a small guy encroaching on my face-off position. I'm like, back up, man. Back up. Back up. And he was like, right in my grill. Just finally, I just pigeon-tossed him. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so he went flying across the ice. He's like, what the hell, man? Like, I'm sorry. I just lost my temper. I apologize. Then he got me back, kind of tripped me up not too long after that. And he's like, now we're even. I'm like, okay, fair enough. But yeah, not good, Tim. Not good. Was this the A League again? One was the A, and I played three games last time. I um, bounced around one game, two games, three games, just because there was a lack of numbers. But yeah, it wasn't great. I, I try to just keep an even keel persona out there. And sometimes big dogs out eat, I guess. I just, I, I lost it. But I try not to, to do that. Have you ever lost control, Tim? You don't seem like, you seem like you're just going to snap one day. Top of the bell tower. Pating, pating. Yeah, it's definitely make jokes about mass murder. No, I'm good. I don't. You I didn't don't, say uh, no. He it took you a while just, to say no. I just said no. Uh, no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty in control. I'm pretty zen. How do you do it? How do you do it? it comes natural. Serenity well, now. Insanity later. 
Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I work at it. I don't have a temper. I don't I have uh, the hot blood like you do. I was forced to go to anger management in college. It was the most boring well, four months of my life. It was so bad. I'm sure you had a good reason to be sent there. No, nah, they didn't know what they were talking about. They tried to, there has <laughs> to be a deep-seated reason for this. I'm like, yeah, people are not smart, and they need to be taught a lesson. Like, figure it out. It's okay. Justice has to be served. I felt like, I felt like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> justice will be served all right anyways there was some sad news in the nhl world i found out about this last night actually someone brought it to my attention gino ojik passed away i don't know why he apparently he had been dealing with some medical issues but at 50 52 years of age he died pretty sad especially well for me personally he was you know a part of my ilk one of the legendary tough guys i think we tried to get him on the show to be honest with you, we reached out to him. It never really worked out, but it seems like it was kind of expected. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know too much of the details, but sad, 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 sad. Kind of caught me off guard. Anytime a hockey player dies, especially a tough guy, it kind of hits you a little differently. But yeah, not good. We'll be praying for him, thinking about him. I don't know. What, how did you hear about him passing away, Tim? Was it a surprise to you? Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. Aaron Ashram, actually, I think, was the one who tweeted it out that I saw. And, yeah, it's sad. It, you know, you can speculate on, on what's going on. or he obviously put his body through a lot, and so it's too bad. Uh, he seemed like a really nice guy, too. You hear nothing but good things about him. One of the legendary tough guys. He's had some epic battles. Go back and watch some videos of him. The guy was an absolute warrior. But, yeah, not a bad thing said about that guy throughout his whole career which i can't say for myself i've had bad things said about me all the time this guy he was one of the good ones so he will be missed played for the vancouver canucks not so eloquently transitioning over to the nhl they've been having a tumultuous week tim kind of it came out of nowhere yes they've been having issues with jt miller bo horvat will we resign him do we regret signing jt miller what's going on all of a sudden They've had bing, 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 bing controversies coming out of Vancouver, and you've been keeping track of these, Tim. You're in, you're you're slowly becoming a Vancouver insider. I'm not going to give you the the stamp of approval just yet, but if you keep this up, insider Vancouver, what's going on with the Canucks, Tim? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about this in chronological order, and this oh, I just, love that, love just. That. In the last couple of days, and and I'll timestamp this for you, but basically, you know, this has been a tough couple of seasons, obviously, it's gotten from bad to worse, and all of a sudden, things just sort of skyrocketed over the past long weekend. So it started on Thursday night, they have a game against Tampa, what do you know, they scratch Oliver Ekman Larson, the guy's making $7.26 million a year, I think he's got four more years after this year on his deal, He's he's a healthy scratch for the first time as a Canuck, I believe, and maybe the first time in his career. And so that in itself is a lot to unpack. I don't think they would do that trade again, take on him and Garland. Obviously, they were hoping to take a step forward. They haven't done that. If anything, they might have taken a step back over the last couple of seasons. And so that's bad. And then on top of it, do you know what he said? His, he got interviewed and asked about it. And he said, quote, this is a quote, my family still loves me and I still have my friends. <laughs> That's what he said about being healthy scratched. And there's there's more to it. And he's basically talking about his emotions, how hard he works. At the end of the day, hockey's just one thing. I still have all these blessings in my life. That's the message. But this is a guy who's a veteran. He's in his 30s. He's played a lot of games. He's put up a lot of points. He's making a lot of money. 
and he gets health bombed and he goes, well, I still have my friends and family at least. Not a good look for this guy. Don't uh, don't did, these players have any idea how these things are going to come across in the press? Some people will just dissect everything they say. JT Miller did the same thing not too long ago when he was asked, you know, the the optics of you yelling at your goaltender, this and that. You you haven't got as many points. And remember, he said, "Well, I've been focusing on my defensive end a little more. That's why." It's like, do you not just take a take a step back? And I know Oliver; he's a great guy, fantastic guy. I had a great time with him when I was in uh, Arizona. But you, you can't just talk about. <laughs> I'm still loved. I still have a very great life outside <laughs> of the rink. It's like, no, maybe take some ownership of the situation and just show people that you understand that you're not playing good. You're getting paid seven and a half million dollars and you know, you need to be better. Nothing of the sorts from that quote. That's it's not good. It's not good for all of you are loved. You are respected. (laughs) I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. And doggone it. People like me that that whole even that whole trade. Garland's been a healthy scratch this year. Larson's been a healthy scratch this year atrocious trade for the Vancouver Canucks. Like, absolutely so bad. But anyways, that that was just one, Tim. Well, yeah, we'll call it two because I think those comments warrant its own thing. But yeah, and so that's where it started. And then um, that same around that same time, the Canucks announced that Tanner Pearson is going to need wrist surgery. He's already had multiple, and it's going to put his season and potentially even his career in jeopardy. And so he's had multiple. He's going to need at least one more. I don't know exactly the 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 science and biology of it in his wrist, but pretty serious injury. And he's a popular guy in the in the dressing room. He's one of the the core guys. He's a, he's a personality. And so Quinn Hughes was asked about what it meant to his team that Pearson's going down with an injury. And you know, you get those types, those types of questions. Like, you know, Tanner's a really important part. We want to see him back. Hopefully he'll be back soon. We wish him the best, that sort of thing. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, I feel bad for him. I mean, it wasn't handled properly. And, you know, it's not really a good situation he's got there. Hopefully he's going to be all right. So this is the star young defenseman of a team calling out management, coaching, medical staff, question mark, to anyone who will listen, basically. And this is, again, you can you can unpack. There's a lot to unpack here because this is not typical for a guy, let alone a young player, to call that out. And so is he speaking of his own observation? Is he speaking of Tanner's frustrations? Are the guys chatting about how this all went down? I mean, how bad does it have to be in the locker room for the player to speak publicly and call out management and training like that? It's bad. Maybe he, he just did it unintentionally. He was just saying something he didn't realize, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have said that because he's going to like you deal with the medical staff every single day. They're the first guys you see. Usually when you go in the room, they're always there. You go into the metal room every single day and you're calling these guys out and throwing them under the bus saying it was mishandled. Oh, it's not it's not great that that locker room is just it it just ha- I played and mind you played as a very relative term i was in the montreal canadians locker room for about a half a week it was awful and that was near the end of the season things were winding down you could you could cut the tension with a knife between the players in that room everybody hated each other it was awful i had never experienced a room like that and i was only in there for like three four five days i can't imagine the Vancouver Canucks locker room 
this is three years now, Tim, of these guys being around each other, being terrible, having glimpses of just greatness and then back into futility. They don't like each other. And it's it's noticeable. The staff doesn't like the players. The players don't like the GM, the coach. Nobody likes him. Apparently, it is dysfunction at its finest. And Quinn Hughes is just kind of just speaking his mind and he's just making it worse. So who knows what happened? I don't I don't know. But it, it it's great. Vancouver is the it's the epitome of just a bad franchise right now. It's so funny to watch. Just when you think they can't get any worse, and then, then boom, they get worse. And we're just getting started on this weekend of 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 chaos. And so obviously a player speaks to something like that. Management's going to find out. They're going to get asked about it. And all of a sudden, Jim Rutherford, the GM, now has to launch basically an internal investigation into the injury, how it was handled. He's talking to the Players the players Association. He's talking to T- T- Tanner Pearson's camp. He's talking to the owners. He's talking to Coach Pedreau. Pedreau is sort of like, well, that's all. that has nothing to do with me. That's not my decision. Like, all this just – it's just embarrassing, right? Like, now they have to answer to it, and they have to, like, look like they're – they're responding to it. And so uh, not good, not good. I don't, and then Quinn was asked about it again, like the next day, they sort of walked it back. You can tell he had been spoken to, but again, you don't know who he's speaking on behalf of, whether it's Tanner Pearson, whether it's his own observation, whether he heard something from somebody who knows, but where there's smoke, there's usually fire. And so Agreed. the game happens that night. This is the the game against the Tampa Bay lightning ended up losing by the way, five to four. And there are some clips and you, a lot of clips can be taken out of context. You can like, even like a Bergeron is going to get beaten on some plays on the defensive end, or, you know, Ovechkin's going to turn the puck over. You can, you can focus in on anyone and you can make them look however you want, basically throughout the course of a game. But we've seen a lot of clips of JT Miller this season. And I want to bash from friend of the show of just not, not hustling, not effort, especially in the defensive zone. It was an incredible clip of him. He's out there for like, 25 seconds just floating in his own zone floating floating then he goes right back to the bench you just watch the whole thing it's crazy and then on top of that so you think okay this is their leader the game was uh five to three at this point this is their leader they're trying to make a comeback this is their guy this is their op 99 points last year this is the guy who's going to turn things around and and he's not even trying and he gets right back off the ice and a little bit before that uh i think they had just gotten scored on because it's five to two earlier in the third period and JT Miller stepped back onto the bench screams down the bench and slams his stick on the bench. We've already seen him slam the stick behind the goalie yelling at the goalie two weeks ago, but he wouldn't get off the ice. A couple of days after that, we saw him slam the stick late in the game on the uh, pulled goalie offensive zone face off. The guy's not lining up where he wants him to. He's slamming his stick and he did it again early in the season too. I don't know, John, have you seen this clip? He's like, he's screaming. Yeah, and he's not screaming at the ice. He's not screaming at the refs. He's not screaming at the other players. He's screaming down the bench to his own guys, yelling. Yeah, at he, he's. It looks like he's screaming at the defense. Something happened. I, I I didn't see what caused the play, but he's yelling at the defenseman. And this is what happens. You're losing. You're trying to create offense. You're down five to two. And I was a part of this many many times. This this is this is not a bad thing. He's frustrated. It, it's Vancouver. It is what the funny thing is. He's sitting right next to Bo Horvat, and Bo's probably just thinking he signed the wrong guy. You put your you put your chips in this guy's basket. Oh boy! So he Bo Horvat has to be the happiest guy in that locker room right now. You think I'm done? I am 
gonzo from this this dumpster fire right now. But yeah, JT's frustrated. He's yelling at the demon. They probably aren't making plays, getting him the puck where he wants it, when he wants it. What are you going to do? You know, he, he, you expect players to play to your level. And when they don't, it gets frustrating and you have to vent it. And we know JT Miller is, is a very fiery personality. I don't fault. Though. I don't think that's a bad thing. That's not a bad clip. He's coming off the ice. He's fired up. He's yelling with the defense. Like, let's go get your head out of your behind and pick it up. We're down five to two and you're not playing. Let's go pick it up. I don't mind that. I really don't. Yeah. But the look in his eyes, it's not like, it's not, Hey, be better. Hey, this or that he's screaming. And he's, you look at his eyes and he's very, yeah. very, he's pissed. Yeah. He's pissed. And then, and speaking of Horvat, he's right next to him. If there's someone that needs to play better, shouldn't that be Horvat's job? Shouldn't he be the one talking to the guys down the bench saying, Hey, do this, do that. You know? No, um, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Is this Horvat's team anymore? Right. He knows he's gone. There's no way they can retain him. He's out the door. So I don't know. Again, the, the dysfunctional locker room, who's the leaders. He's got the C he's not signed long-term. Where's Pedersen and all of this? Where's all these other young guys who are supposed to take the reins? I don't know what's happening. It's, it's a bad locker room. And I don't, I don't know. I don't fault Horvat for just sitting there. He's not going to say anything. You chose JT Miller for me. Go, go for it. JT. You're the new captain. This is your team. So what else is happening in Vancouver? It can't get any worse. This is it. Well, so that same game, not really Vancouver's fault, but Connor Garland got punched in the face. And it just feels like a metaphor for this entire thing. (laughs) Did you see that sucker punch from Sergachev? No. Uh, After the whistle, totally sucker punch. Like he's kind of not really looking. He leans over over the net and just gets him with his glove on. Garland's got no helmet on. He goes right down like a sack of potatoes. Um, just, just the team continues to take a beating. Sergachev ended up getting fined $5,000, which is the maximum allowable. I think he should have been suspended for that. That's kind of a dangerous punch, but. Oh, I'm watching it now. He gets some good. Holy moly. And he's done this kind of thing many times, Sergachev. I like Sergachev. He's a no nonsense type of player. I tell you what, he'd look really good in Maison Blue right now for the Montreal Canadiens, the way their back end is kind of lining up right now. He would be fantastic. That's a, one of the worst trades ever to go down the pipeline, him for Jonathan Durant. But I, I don't mind it. You're battling around the net. Connor Garland is a known pest in this league. So who knows what led up to this? I, I'm fine with it. They were probably had a healthy lead at that point. Connor Garland still digging his nose around Vasilevsky and Circuit says, I've had enough. Enough of this. You're getting one down Main Street, Connor. You think $5,000 is going to even dent his wallet, Tim? The guy makes nothing. two hundred grand every two weeks. That's not. That's nothing. Does everybody understand that? $5,000 for schmelts like me and Tim, that's a lot of money. I wouldn't step over five grand. Sergachev won't even notice it on his paycheck. Isn't that... We won't get down that road, but it's just... Who five? I played with Marion Gabrick my first couple years before they had direct deposit. They would pay you. That's how old I am. They would pay you with an actual check and you would have to deposit in your bank. Gabby would have his checks in the bottom of a stall in the locker room just piled up. And I was I, I don't know if I was a healthy scratch or what, but I just opened one up one day casually. I was like, let's see what this guy's making. It was like four hundred fifty thousand dollars. For two weeks, Tim. 
Do you, isn't that incredible? And he had like five or six of them just laying in there. $2 million just sitting in the bottom of his stall. The guy could care less. And so it's just remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah. That that's that's what Sergachev is making. I don't know how much he makes, but he makes a decent amount. Seven, maybe. So to Seven, think yeah. so to think the NHL is gonna kind of dissuade him from doing this again. Oh, hey, Mikhail Sergachev, he's making eight and a half next year. Don't do this again. Oh, $5,000, you're in trouble. The guy's got socks that cost more than $5,000, I bet. Those Russians love fancy stuff. Everything's Gucci and Prada for him. That's funny. I I, I love that. Right down Main Street. You think Connor Garland's going to dig his nose around there again? Breathing through his mouth for a couple of weeks because he got his nose busted? Not a chance. He got asked about it. He's like, he's like, uh, so apparently Sergachev came up to him after the game in the hallway or whatever, made sure he was okay, but basically apologized, I think. And Garland was like, I've been playing like a prick since I was 10 years old. Like, I'm used to this sort of thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's hockey. Um, but then this is where the story gets interesting. The whole Ooh. Rick Tockett, Bruce Boudreau drama. Bruce Boudreau signed last year after being the interim coach. And and Elliot Friedman reported on his podcast that only a matter of time before Tockett replaces Goudreau, Boudreau as the head coach. And so there's all this when he, if he's reporting it, basically, like you said, if not when or when not if. And so yep. it's going to happen. The players start getting asked about it. Horvath gets asked about it. There's another report that Tockett has already put in his notice with TNT, which basically solidifies that this is happening. And it sucks for Boudreaux, who was like, obviously something not working. It's not the like him getting fired makes sense. But he's one of like the most classy, you know, respected coaches in the NHL. He's a good guy, and he has to get questions about. This is embarrassing. This whole thing is the way that this is going down is embarrassing, and he has to answer questions about it. And he basically said, "Like I wake up and go to work until they tell me not to." Which is what else can you say in that? But it's it's kind of humiliating position for him to be in right now, where everyone knows it's a bad look for the Vancouver Canucks. It's just like like we said, it starts from the top down. These guys don't know how to run a franchise. I don't know who the president of the Vancouver Canucks is, but he should be fired. It's it's a bad look. Your head coach, Bruce Prudro, if if you don't want him there, just fire him. Or have a just a side conversation with Rick Tocken. And hopefully the news doesn't get out. But it's just terrible. Fire Bruce. Let the assistant coach coach for four weeks. Once Rick Tocken gets released from his contract with the NHL network, then introduce him as the new coach. It's really bad. Yeah. I don't know. How would you feel? Embarrassed. It, Embarrassed. Then you have to sit. He's going to have to answer these questions for the next month. If only this was John Tortorella. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because he would just go scorched earth on the Canucks and just rip everybody. The players, the staff, the GM, they would have to fire him. But Bruce is a classy guy. He's going to just play it out and he's going to get just fired. It's going to be a terrible situation when he does get fired. There's going to be fans who are going to rally behind him. It's just a bad, bad marketing, bad optics, bad everything. And Rick Tockett's a good coach. I don't mind this change. He's had some success in the NHL. He started with Tampa Bay, big hiatus, went back to TV, got back into coaching with Arizona for four years and did pretty well for a bad Arizona team who never spends to the cap, took him to the playoffs one of the years, which is a remarkable feat. And then he went back into TV. So 
he'll be a breath of fresh air. I've heard he's a really good players coach. He's a hardworking rewards, that type of thing. It'll be interesting how the star players respond to him. I, I would be interested to go back and cause he's obviously reported and called games for the Vancouver Canucks and see how he's talked about this team. Cause that's a tricky thing with a guy who has one foot in broadcasting one foot as head coaching. It's like, do you really just go all in? Because maybe you might coach this team one day. There, there's a possibility that you could be coaching these players that you're just tearing a new one. So I don't know. Maybe there's some videos out there of him just ripping anybody. Pedersen, probably, because that guy's just a mess right now. Hey, how is he doing? Because you love Pedersen. Is he He's having a good year? Very well. Yeah. And so they, the Canucks had lost four in a row, and then they won last night in a shootout from Elias Pedersen scoring uh, uh, a Jokin and Forsberg-type goal with that one-handed tap-in on the back end. Beautiful. He's got 52 points in 41 games, 18 goals. He's having a great season. But just before we move on, there's another there's another thing I got to no. add to this Canucks drama. Wow. So Frank Saravelli reported on his podcast, just talking about this whole situation, just to put a bow on it. He said, it's a daily soap opera. I blame ownership and management. It starts with them, starts and stops with them. I think the real drama started when Miller was signed before Horvat, which we've said before. There's, like you said, Horvat's going to be so pumped to get. There's there's a light at the end of his tunnel. Bruce Bruce said that. No no no. Uh, Frank said that. Frank, Frank said that. Okay, that. I was going to yeah. say yeah. Oof. And so, which he's right about. And so, just everything that we talked about, all these different layers of complica- complications and chaos, they all happened between Thursday and Sunday. This happened across a four day span. Like that's the long weekend that the Canucks had. That's why I wanted to share that story. And you know what's going to happen now? They're going to go on a huge winning streak huh. in the next four weeks before Rick Tockett takes over. They're going to go <laughs> in. Just, they're going to go bonkers and win ninety-five percent of their games, and then Tockett will take over, and then they'll just tank. That's what's going to happen. It's just it's so. And then going back to that Garland OEL trade, you know who they got? They got a first rounder from the Canucks, which turned out to be a ninth overall pick. Do you know who that pick was? Dylan Guntier. Oh. Star for Team Canada. One of these stars for Team Canada. I think he got the gold, the overtime goal, didn't he? Yep. So, man. And he's a, like a Western boy, too. So he would have been perfect for Vancouver. But no, he'll be he'll be with Arizona for three years, and they'll trade him for some more prospects and draft picks. But it's, uh, gosh, the Vancouver Canucks just can't get out of their own way. It's fun to talk about. It, who would have thought we would have ta- spent this much, this much time on a team that is just no business being talked about. They just, they make themselves relevant. It's very fun. Let's, let's talk about some good teams that people don't usually talk about. We spent some time on them last week, a little bit, the Seattle Kraken, Tim, they just set an NHL record second year in the league. They're already setting records this year. They were supposed to be a struggling team, still trying to figure out who they are, their identity. Not so fast. They are playing very, very good hockey. They're scoring goals. They're ripping up and down the ice. Everybody's contributing. They are a fun team to watch out there in Seattle. What was the record, you ask? They are the first team in NHL history history, to sweep a seven-game road trip. That's unbelievable in my eyes. I've been on some big road trips. I've been on seven games, eight games 
you don't dream of sweeping all seven. If you go home 500, you're happy. If you go home above 500, you're ecstatic. That is quite the feat, especially from a team like Seattle. You're traveling all over the country. These aren't short flights that you're taking. You're bouncing around everywhere, but they did it. They finished it off beating the Chicago Blackhawks eight to five. And that was another impressive feat, Tim. What happened in Chicago? Uh, Yeah, tough night for the Blackhawks. The Kraken scored four goals on five shots on the starter, Peter Mrazek. Really tough, including some some he definitely should have had, like like unobstructed view from the top of the circle on this on an angle, and it just sneaks in five hole, that sort of thing. So he gets pulled. They pull in Al Stalock. The first shot Al Stalock sees, it goes in. Tough luck. It's through the five hole again, and it's like okay, knife. You can get warmed up, whatever. It's the second shot he sees, whatever he lets in. <laughs> yeah, and so I think it was six to one after the first period. And every single Kraken player had a point, at least one point in the first period. The first period. Final score was eight to five Seattle. And uh I watched I watched this game. They're a good team. And they played the Bruins last week too. So I saw them a couple times. And recently. they beat the Bruins three nothing. Yeah. They're a good team. Like it's it's funny. You look at their stat sheet. They don't have anyone as a point per game player. They have one player who's got a hundred shots. That's Oliver Bjorkstrand, who's not even he's gonna put up forty points, maybe max. It's just but no one's bad. They don't have any holes in their roster. They just do all the little things right. There's one play. Uh, who was it? I don't remember who it was. This guy, just what the basics, the pass and the deal. This, the way this guy, it was Marshawn was hounding him. And the way he used his body, I think it might have been McCann, just like protecting the puck and nice cross-sized pass in his own zone. Just smart, physical, strong. They're a good team. They're a good team. Well, I think where they're excelling is you nailed it. They are taking advantage of other teams' third and fourth lines. And this is a this is a result of the salary cap. Teams like Boston, teams like Toronto, teams like Edmonton, teams like all the, the high-end teams, they invest so much in their first and second line. They lack a little bit on the third and fourth. Seattle hasn't done that. They have just they pretty much have four second lines. That's what they have. They got consistency all across the board. So when you can throw out a third line of Bjorkstrand, Gord, and Ily Tolvanen, who's a very good player, they're working other teams' third lines. Like, they are really, really playing good. Yanni Gord's got 30 points in 41 games. That's pretty good for a third-line player. You're almost leading your team because Matty Beignet says 36. So what they lack for high-end superstar guys who can just generate offense, they more than make up for in just depth up and down the lineup. Guys who go out there, they put shots on net, and they constantly, constantly push the pace. When you play a team that is just always in your grill, always pressing you, you make mistakes, you get tired, you do uncharacteristic things, and that's what Seattle does. They constantly press you, and that's what they did to the Bruins. They had no time to come up for air. It was just wave after wave after wave. Just dump it in, get on your heels, you're going back, and then you do it again, over and over and over again. And when you got Beignets, Eberly, McCann, Gord, Sprong, Schwartz, Tanev, who's a good player, Bjorkstrand, there's no weakness in this lineup, Tim. There really isn't. I'm not worried about in the playoffs just yet if I'm playing against them, but even their back end, it's not bad. I like Vince Dunn. Adam Larson is so good. Then you got Alexiak and Justin Schultz, who just doesn't age and is good on the power play. I don't mind the Seattle Kraken. They're playing great hockey. All of a sudden, when you look at this Western Conference, it's like, man, I got Dallas and then Seattle. 
Are those the teams to beat in the Western Conference? Because everybody else is not playing well. Calgary's struggling, Edmonton's struggling, Colorado's struggling. Are these the two teams that we got to worry about coming to the Western Conference? Because Seattle, boy, who'd have guessed it? They are a fun team to watch. And I'm 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 in on Seattle. They they are a serious, legit contender coming out of the West. I think you're right. And Martin Jones has had a spectacular season. He's playing like a legit number one NHL goalie. And he's not a star. He's not going to get you a ton of shutouts. I know we had one recently, but he's going to give you a chance to win just about every night, which is what you want from your goalie, especially a team that style. He's had a really resurgence in his career this year. So really good to see for him. Well, speaking of resurgence, and maybe it's a mini resurgence, but a guy who was given up on by the team that drafted him, number three overall, guy who was supposed to be the face of the franchise, take over. For Jonathan Taves, Kirby Doc, friend of the show, given away to the Montreal Canadiens for next to nothing. Interesting quote from Martin St. Louis, Martin. When they got Kirby Doc, he said, if you give up on a 21-year-old, I think that you probably don't have a lot of patience. Well, those words are proving prophetic. Kirby Doc having a great season. The Montreal Canadiens invested in him. They gave him a little bit of a solid foundation to set up shop in Montreal. He's having a career year. Just played his 44th game. He's already setting new career highs, Tim. He got 27 points last year. He had 26 and 70. He's got three goals in his last five games. Did we not predict this? Did I not predict this? Kirby Doc is a very good player. Things have did not go right with Chicago when he got there. He had that amazing playoff run where everybody, they were just opened his eyes. Everybody, eyes were open to Kirby Doc. He played great. Then all of a sudden he got injured in the lineup just not maybe have the right line mates he's getting a chance to blossom in montreal and yes i know the canadians are struggling yes i know they're trending downwards if anything comes from this season it has shown that kirby doc is that guy maybe he doesn't get a point per game just yet he will be a point per game guy mark my word once he just he's still growing he's he's a tall boy he's still growing into his body he's only 22 years old Give him some time. The guy's going to be a legit superstar in this league. What else is there on Kirby Doc? What you tell me, Tim? Well, not only is he easy skill, but he's strong. Did you see that oh, reverse? So hit strong. He threw on Clutterbuck at center ice. Oh, I loved it. Did you see it? Really? No, no. <laughs> yeah, look it up. Look, look it up right now. So he's skating up middle ice and he center ice and he passes the puck over. Clutterbuck lines him up center ice. And Kirby Doc doesn't even slow down. He just rolls over Clutterbuck, who does like a backflip, lands on his ass, and then Doc's gone. It's in the offensive zone, and the play moves forward. Beautiful hit. It, yeah. It's like a yeah. freight train. He's just so tall. I don't know what Klutz is thinking there. I guess he's just trying to slow him up because it is the end of the third, and he's maybe just trying to just get in his way. But Clutter, poor guy, does a cartwheel. Kirby's a strong, strong boy. Best best reverse hitter in the game right now? Most Sider. Friend of the yes. show. Yeah. Most Sider does that quite a bit. But yeah, this gosh, I said last year Montreal was gonna be really good. I don't know. I don't know what the timeline is for them. They need to make some moves. They have a lot of middling contracts they need to to know work on, but they have a good first line. I like myself some Kirby Doc. He's a good, good player. All right, Tim. We used to do this a while ago. All right, I gotta pause. I gotta go leak. I'll be right back. Sorry. Just think ahead. We're going to go back to something we haven't done in a while, but I love doing it, Tim. It's the power rankings. I think it's appropriate. We're midway through the season. We've had a chance to see who teams are. There's good teams. There's bad teams. There's surprises. There's guys who they are who we thought they were, Tim. So let's do it. We're going to do power rankings. Top three teams and something we do a little different. The bottom three teams. Do you have your list prepared, Tim? 
I do. I have a couple of deliberations to make, but I'm I'm ready. All right, let's start with the top because I think this is easier than the bottom. It might be even easier to do the bottom first, but let's start with the top. The teams that are just locked in, best team in the league. I think let's just get yours out of the way because I know who your number one is. Yeah, number one is Boston. Uh, I would pick them. No, I wouldn't pick them, but they are legit the number one. I don't really see a really a close second number two. And then this is where it gets tricky. I think I probably would pick Carolina. Um, in my top three as well. And then I'm skipping over Jersey. I'm probably skipping past Toronto. I'm looking at those teams in the West. It's going to be Dallas. Dallas is in my top three. I think they are a team to beat in the West right now until Colorado writes the ship, which we'll talk about in a little bit. I'm not that worried about Vegas at this point. I think I think Dallas has got to be that that team for me. So those are my top three. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. I, I, I agree with you, Boston. They're they're a juggernaut. I think Carolina is number two. I think those two teams have separated themselves from the pack a little bit. They are by far the top two teams. I think Toronto's number three. I think you could easily put five teams from the Eastern Conference. Ding 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 top five. You could go Boston, Carolina, New Jersey, Toronto, Tampa Bay. I think that would be an easy argument to have. I know Winnipeg, Vegas, Dallas, Seattle, Los Angeles, they're all good teams. But the East is just so powerful. They're so good. And the Stanley Cup will be awarded to an Eastern Conference team. What Boston has done this year, what Carolina is doing now, they've obviously turned the corner. We talked about it last week when we had Seth Jarvis on. They're a good team. They got Freddie Anderson back. He's playing great, showing no signs of injury fatigue or hangover, or whatever you want to call it. And he's playing good. It's the Bruins and Carolina's Stanley Cup this year, Tim. One of those teams will lift that Stanley Cup this year. Potentially. Even though in shows past, I said Toronto's going to make the Stanley Cup final. So what do I know? I'm just contradicting myself left and right. So my three teams are Boston, Carolina, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Those are my three. Even though New Jersey is there, they've kind of righted the ship. They won four in a row. Everybody thought they were done. They've responded. They're back to their winning ways. Good for them. I think Toronto is a superior team. If I'm if I'm picking a team in the playoffs, it's Toronto. It has to be, right? It's not New Jersey just yet. You can't, you can't anoint them just yet. They they still got to do something in the playoffs. But those are my top three. Now moving on to the fun part of the show, the bottom three. And oh boy, are there a lot of teams you could pick in the bottom team? For as good as the Eastern Conference high top end is, the bottom end is just as bad. And the same can be said for the Western Conference. There are some bad hockey teams in the NHL, Tim. Like just outright bad. It's amazing. They kind of get hidden because there's a lot of teams and there's a lot of games every single night, but there's some atrocious hockey teams that have no business icing the teams that they're icing. Who is your, who's your number one bottom team? The worst team in the NHL, according to Tim Worsberger, the Blackhawks. It's, it's clear to me, uh, the Blackhawks, especially after watching them play the other night, they look lost. They don't look like there's any system. They don't look like they have, they have any chemistry, there's you can the camera's always focusing on on Taze and Kane and they just like they just look like uh coaches out there. They look like dads, you know what I mean? Um and uh I I had this like vision and they never say it, but I just imagine like Kane and Taze texting each other at night being like, How bad is Seth Jones? How is he making nine million dollars a year? You know what I mean? Like what what are they saying between them? Like that's what I want to know about not just zone, but everybody. So that's that's my number one worst team. And then I'll go with a team that has the worst goal differential, Anaheim Ducks minus 81 on the year. 
They're minus 81. This is the team that we thought, you know, we, we knew they were a while away from being a contender, but it, it felt like they took a step forward last year. Yeah. With the Drysdale, um, they got rid of Sonny Milano, but there's a lot of McTavish, a lot of young guys on that squad, and they haven't done it. They've actually gotten worse. And then I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here and pick the Arizona Coyotes, my third team. I know we have some diehards listening to the show. I'm sorry. You guys have lost nine games in a row. This is a bad, bad, bad team. Um, bright future, I think. I hope. I know they have a lot of good young players, but right now it's the, the Coyotes, the Ducks, and the Blackhawks. What's bright about Arizona's future? And I love talent. Arizona. I love playing there. It was a beautiful city. I often talk to my wife. We should go vacation there. It's it's so great. Is it Nick Schmoltz? Is it Dylan Gunter? Is it Clayton Keller? Who? Who is it? Was well, a lot of those guys, and a lot of the guys are still yeah. in the system. Um, but are. definitely, definitely, Gunther is part of it. Clayton Keller is going to be part of it. You got to think about what they're going to start bringing in too, in terms of like Gosta Spear is probably going to be gone. Chitrin's probably going to be gone. What are you bringing back for those guys? Jack McBain's very, very good. And then you have a lot of young guys in the system that are going to be making their way back up. Connor Geeky, like this is a good team. This is going to be a good team. I, hope. I just I just think until you can get your owner to commit to spending to the cap and being competitive, you have no chance. They're $20 million under the cap. You can't compete when you're not spending all the money that you have available to you. It's just the nature of the beast. And I bet you they're paying some guys to not even play. That just count against the cap because they've been notorious for that. I'm not on cap geek right now, but I bet you they're paying a bunch of guys like Marion Hosa, Pavel Datsuk, Chris mm-hmm. Pronger, like those types of players to just not even play for their team. So, well, they're, I guess Oliver Ekman Larson, they're paying him a million dollars this year. So it, they're not my worst team right now. I'll, I'll do my bottom three, but I just, I don't follow the prospects pool too closely, but Arizona should have a deep prospects pool you would imagine just they've been pretty bad for a few years now but my worst team tim i go back and forth on this do do you focus on where they should be do you focus on the the potential from the start of the season and where they are right now because chicago was never supposed to be good arizona was not supposed to be good this year you know san jose was not supposed to be good so i take those things into account the team for me that is the worst team in the league based on my factors this week is the Ottawa Senators. I feel like their offseason, their expectations, the hype surrounding this team. We're not going to be Toronto's little brother anymore. We're pushing back. We're making big high-end moves this offseason. We're bringing in Giroux. We're bringing in Cam Talbot. We're going to get an Alex Dabrinkit. We're re-upping all our good young talent. We're not a contender anymore. We're not a, we're not a team that's going to be a contender. This is our year to win. They are below 500, not even near this, the playoff chase right now. And they just start, you know, win two, lose three type of team. So they're my worst team in the NHL right now based on the fact that they were supposed to be a, a contender. They were supposed to be that team. So they're my number one. My number two is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Flashy signing this offseason. Bring it in Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau. Maybe transition the team, turn the corner, re-sign Patrick Liney. They've been just atrocious. They've been absolutely awful. 
They're third worst in the league. They no signs of any heartbeat on that team. They're 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 a bad team, and they're a group of teams that don't want to win. Anaheim, Chicago, Arizona, San Jose. Those teams don't want to win. They're in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Sweepstakes. Columbus wanted to win this year, so they're my number two team. My number three team. Uh, I I don't want to do it, but I got to go with Vancouver. It's just I feel like I'm kicking a dead horse. You know what I mean? It's like how. Everybody knows they're a train wreck. Everybody knows they're a dumpster fire. Everybody knows they're dysfunctional. I'm, I have to pick them. They're, they're nowhere near competitive. Like I said, they could rattle off 10 in a row. I would not be surprised. They just don't like each other. It's like a family reunion every day for them. And you just hate everybody at the reunion. And you don't want to talk to everybody. And you're going to see them again tomorrow for the three-legged race. And I'm like, dang it. I don't want to do that. I'm going to walk into that room. I'm going to see Bull Horvat. I don't want to talk to him. That's the life of a Vancouver Canuck right now. So they're my third worst team. A little unconventional picks, I know. But when you go into the season, you have these just expectations and you vastly under, you don't make them. You're a bad team, right? I bet you all those teams spend the cap and they're just bad. Chicago doesn't spend the cap. I know that. Anaheim surely doesn't. Arizona, we already talked about them. San Jose might. <laughs> San Jose might. Did you hear that they're trying to trade everybody, but no one's waiving their no-move clause? Like Cooch, Hurdle, all these guys aren't waiving their no-move clause because they're they're exploring all avenues for San Jose to try to just change this franchise up. And that's what you that's what you get for giving these guys these contracts. It's like you you want to resign them, I get it. But then you handcuff yourself because when your team eventually inevitably goes south and you have to move these pieces, then these guys have all the power. And San Jose is a beautiful place to live. You don't want to leave there. You live in Los Gatos. You eat at the best restaurants. You can go anywhere you want. Go to the mountains. Go to the beach. Go to the desert. Go here. and there. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot in the country. So good luck trading any of these guys. Those are my bottom three and top three, Tim. Yeah, that was my question. Why would they not? want to leave and go play for a contender, but maybe they've just settled into like, I've got a pretty good thing going. I'm not winning a lot of hockey games, but my life is pretty good. You know, Oliver Ekman Larson, my family likes me. <laughs> I have a pretty good lifestyle. I don't have to, you know, shovel out to get to the rink every day. I just open up my garage door and pull my Maserati out and away I go. So I don't mind that lifestyle. I'll tell you what, when I was a free agent, I, and I had the ability to go somewhere. I'm like, Call the warmer climate teams because my first four or five years, six years, I was in Chicago, Minnesota, Buffalo, just cold, cold weather teams. I wanted to go somewhere warm. We went to Arizona, we went to San Jose. It was fantastic. All right, Tim, let's do some quick hits and get out of here. Yeah, the Bruins re-signed uh, Pavel Zaka for a four-year extension, 4.75, which sounds about right. That's a, that's a good number for him, I think. He's very versatile. He can play offense and defense, you know, you know, check in line, shut down line. He can play up in the forward if you need him to. He can play with Pasta, Nock, and Krejci. He's a, he's a good player. He can kill penalties. I really like him as a role player on this team. My 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 big what or my big but is, like, why – why are we signing anyone before we sign Pasternak? That kind of makes me nervous. I don't know because the numbers the numbers not getting that much bigger, and your cap room to play with it just got a little bit smaller. So you're gonna have something like I don't have it in front of me, but you're gonna have something like fifteen million dollars to sign seven players, including Pasta. It's gonna get tight, and so good good signing. <clears throat> although, and they were asked about it at his press conference. Any news on Pasta? And then Sweeney said no. 
Well, these guys got to be good friends, right? They're both from Czech Republic. They're both the same age. They probably played junior hockey growing up. They're probably very familiar with each other. With each other. Do you think the Bruins do this to entice Pasta to stay? They go, look at your Could best be. friend staying. You know, we're, we're investing in the team in the future because I think Pasta is just letting this play out. He sees the contracts. He sees what's happening in two, three, four years. So now they got this guy locked up for four years. I, I think this is a good thing in the negotiations with Pasta. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. That's a good point. Um, moving on here, the I already mentioned the Coyotes have lost nine straight. Brutal. The Eric Carlson thing, we you talked about this, I don't know, a month ago. It said if if a team to, to take Eric Carlson, you would have to think they would actually have to give up something good. But Frank Saravalli was reporting that uh, Carlson, the asking price is three first-round picks. The Sharks will retain 18% of his salary. Who's going to give up three first-round picks for a guy? I get he's having a Norris-caliber season, but he's got, what, six more years under contract? Five? And he's 31, 32? Like, how old is he? Is he older than that? Eric Carlson is 32 years old. He makes it $11.5 million for four more years. So yeah, you're going to be on the hook. three first for that. You can't yeah, build the team around that. They're going to retain how much? 19%? 18, yeah. 18. So you figure the team is going to have to pick up. Uh, eight and a half, nine. Eight and a half, nine million. Yeah. What is Greer thinking? He's a new GM. I get it. But no. What is this even worth talking about? What team in their right mind is giving up three first round draft picks for a guy who's going to make a $9 million for the next four years? who has his track record, who has just went to San Jose and completely disappeared for three years. It's uh, you're shooting for the moon, I guess. Hey, I don't know. Brandon Hagel can get two first rounders. Anything's possible. Why not shoot for it? Go get, go get three first rounders. People are giving them out like hotcakes. Now I, I still stand by my comment. If you're trading Eric Carlson with no salary cap retained, that team should be giving San Jose should be packaging something with Eric Carlson to get rid of him. That's what I think. It's Eric Carlson plus a first rounder to take him and his salary cap. That's what I think San Jose should be offering. Not asking for three first rounders. How fast does that GM get fired? If they don't win the Stanley cup, you got Eric Carlson and his salary and you gave up three first rounders. You've signed your death warrant. You'll never get a job again in the NHL. So good luck. You know, you got to, Got to give it to him. He's shooting for the moon. All right. What else, Tim? Uh, a couple more. Just right now, Matt Boldy extended an extension. Seven years, $7 million with the Minnesota Wild. That sounds like a lot. He was a first-round pick, uh, 12th overall in 20, 2019. He's 22 years old, and he's put up a decent number. He's got 29 points this year in 42 games. He's got 68 in 89 games. Very talented. One of those just like... Just like superstar young kids coming out of uh, where did he come from? Massachusetts. I should know that he's from Milford. You should. Um, he's a first rounder. Yeah. Thoughts? Is that a lot of money to commit to a kid who hasn't done much yet? Yeah. He's got twenty nine this year. He got thirty nine and forty seven games last year. He's I think he's a great player. Years old. Yeah. I think he's 22. a great player. This is the sign of the future. We 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 see it all the time now. Ottawa. Half their team is signed to these types of contracts where you just gamble. And as a GM these days, you really have to have a good staff to just project where these kids are going to be because who knows? It's a crapshoot. You, you've locked this guy in for seven years. You're giving him $50 million. So I don't know. 
it's a it's a bad signing for next year because he won't be a seven million dollar player. But the next six years, it could be a fantastic deal. You, you, you don't know. But this is the way business is done now. So I don't know. I just don't know where Minnesota is going to get this money. They're on the hook next year for Parisian Suter for $14.743 million. They have to they have to get a goalie for next year. They have to sign a couple defensemen for next year. You still need to sign five or six forwards for next year. They the numbers don't work because right now, next year, they're on the hook for the same amount of salary cap as they're on the hook for now. And right now they're pushed up against the cap. So you can't sign nine players with $4 million in cap. It just doesn't work. So they're good. They have to be active. They have to make some moves. They got to move one of those defensemen. Matt Dumba has been pandered around as a trade. I see him being moved. I see maybe another defenseman being moved from the Minnesota wild, but I like their signing. I do. It's surprising just because they had no money. They have no money, Minnesota. None. You're giving Kaprizov nine. Erickson Eck makes five two five. Now you got Boldy at seven. Spurgeon seven and a half. Brodeen six. I don't mind it. I think it's a good contract. But yeah, it's 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 the new norm. All these kids, they come in, they play fifty games. You throw fifty million dollars at them. That's it. It's crazy to think that this is where we're at in the NHL. It's 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 just a crapshoot, Tim. It honestly is. You hope you put your eggs in the right basket. It's it's amazing. This kid, I'm blown away. I'm speechless. You get drafted, not in the top 10. He's the number 12 overall pick. He has played less than 100 games, Tim. And the team has given him $50 million. Isn't that, isn't that crazy to you? Am I like... It, the only one here to think that's nuts it is but like i'm also just so accustomed to it now like it's it's happened many times and sometimes it works out brady kachuk was similar you know what i mean and then he's i think he's worth every penny of that and you have a tage thompson not exactly the same deal but young player similar terms and all of a sudden he he exceeds it but you're gonna have a lot of you're gonna see some examples i'm not saying it's boldy maybe it's somebody but some of these guys aren't going to live up to their contract and it's going to handcuff their team for five years, you know? Yeah. But that's what you, this is. This is the new normal. If this works out, you're going to have Matt Boldy in his prime for seven years at $7 million. And you'll be laughing all the way to the Stanley cup finals. If you're the Minnesota wild. So I get it. I get it. You have to have these type of contracts to win, but boy, it's just, it's uh, Bill Guerin, all these GMs, I don't envy them. Because you sit around this table, you have to, because you know this kid's going to ask for it, and you just have to just say, okay, what are we doing? Are we going to sign this guy? He's going to ask for this much money. Are we going to let it drag out like a Matthew Kachuk scenario? Or are we going to get it out of the way? Because he's not having a great year, Matthew Boldy. It's not like he's playing incredible. He had 12 goals, 17 assists. He's not lighting the world on fire by any means. But you're paying for what he will be, and that's a scary thing. If you're giving money away and you don't know how it's going to end up, the ROI is just a complete question mark. All right. We've been talking a long time. What else, Tim? Uh, one more thing. Uh, the Black uh, the, the Avalanche are still out of playoff contention. They are several points back from the, the two last two wild card spots, which are currently op- occupied by the Oilers and the Flames. I was thinking about this a few days ago. They've lost six of their last eight or actually seven of their last nine. Um, and the teams they've lost to, Coyotes, 
Kings, Canucks, Leafs, Knights, Panthers, Oof. Blackhawks. Some good teams, some really bad teams. And the, the thing with the Avalanche is they were hampered by injuries for most of the year, more than any other team. That other than Landeskog and Bowen Byram, like their core guys are pretty much all back. I know they're still missing Josh Manson too, but like McKinnon's back, Makar's back, Gerard, Taze, all these guys are back and they're still losing games. They keep losing. And so the one thing they have in the working in their favor is games in hand where they played, I think, 42. The most of the other teams ahead of them played 44, 46, 48. And so I still think they'll be there. And, of course, I think they can beat anyone in the playoffs if they make it. But it's not a guarantee. They're going to have to win some games in a row, and they haven't been doing it. Yeah, I don't know. And the teams are looking up at are also struggling. So that's the tricky part. Edmonton's not playing the way they should play. Calgary is not playing the way they should play. I don't know, Tim. The, the The clock is ticking on these guys. If they don't put together a string of wins, next thing you're going to know, it's going to be game 65 and you're still six points out. And that's hard to overcome that deficit with that little amount of games left. So there's time. Miko Rantanen, he said this, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Where he's like, we got to make a move. There's still time now, but it's running out very, very, very quickly. So... Could the defending Stanley Cup champions miss the playoffs? I don't know when the last time that, that happened. It's got to be very rare, but they're not they're not playing well, Tim. They're not playing well. We'll keep an eye on that, and we'll keep an eye on everything else for you guys. You just come back here on Wednesday, and we'll clue you in on everything. Thank you for listening. We appreciate the support. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.